0: Uh, Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empowered Podcast. Um, In this episode, it's just going to be myself and Steve. Um, We were originally supposed to have a guest, but, you know, life happens, so here we are. Um, We still have some interesting content that we wanted to talk about. So um, first things first, Steve, I know that you're kind of uh, unsure of, like, kind of what I had in in mind today. But basically, um, everyone here knows I have recently started this new job, right? Um, in the industry, and I've been having a lot of thoughts into specifically what it takes to go from that level of like amateur or hobbyist to a professional. And um, I don't know if you would agree with this. But for me, aside from your skill set, that's kind of uh mandatory. But the biggest thing for me is mindset. That's what I'm realizing is mindset is key, making sure that you can kind of uh, you know, get the get the job done. Um, did you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the thing about this for me is that I took a majority of my lessons from a book called "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People" by Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. And I took I talk about this book a lot to my mentees because of the impact that it's had on me, not only as a professional but just as a, a human being in general. And Um, one of the things that you mentioned mindset, uh, what is the difference between a professional mindset versus just a hobbyist? Um, and it all, it all, you're absolutely right. It all starts with the mindset because it's the mind that controls what the body does. And it's like the actions that you take, um, that actually delivers the results on a professional basis. And you mentioned, you know, the skills, the actual skills to do it. And then another part of it is what's the mentality when working with other people. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the, that's the entire book, Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Going into some of those definitions is what's effective. Effective is being able to get what you want now and then being able to get what you want again and again and again, right? So it's not just about something that's short term. It's about how do you get the long term everything that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's effective. And then habits are, what are the things that you do on a regular basis? So a lot of your professional gains will be due to what are your habits, right? And this is daily habits. Like how much do you actually, how much time do you actually spend perfecting your craft? Mm -hmm. Because if we can give an analogy, like going to a gym, right? You're, you have people that go into the gym And maybe we'll spend 30 minutes once every week, and then they're out, right? So they did go to the gym, but there are other people that you can see there that are constantly working. They're constantly putting in reps. They're doing cardio. They're doing strength training. They're doing flexibility training. And even though two people went to the gym, who had the better workout, right? Right. right. And it's those constant daily like disciplines, and those are the habits that – that help people get what they want now and then get people uh, help them get what they want uh, again and again and again. So like in, in a nutshell, that is what um, the seven habits teaches.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up to the gym analogy um, because you probably know, but some of you guys out there may not, That but fitness and exercise is something I'm actually very passionate about. And it's something that I, um, I've been getting more passionate about lately in the last few months. I've been doing more events, stuff like that. And it's just, uh, I've been really getting into it again. And that connection is so key, right? Um, basically the the discipline, and you kind of touched on it earlier, the consistency, right? It's the six hours in a day at the gym versus an hour for six days. So six days a week um, at the gym. One of those will yield much better results, right? Like you're gonna kill yourself if you do one six day workout going all out. Um, you gotta really be consistent. I guess it's like people say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and that's something mm-hmm. that I'm realizing, right? Because, you know, I no longer have that summer break. Um, my breaks are in, just in general, just less likely or less, um, frequent. So it's up to me to kind of, uh, find that balance. And, um, it's been really interesting. Um, and especially for me, like at, at my job now, it's, it's revealed in me something that I guess I knew but something that's always been there. Right. And that's kind of like for me, my tendency to be impulsive and maybe not be as detail oriented as I originally thought I was. So I'm thinking back to when I was in school doing group projects, um, I would always just do, I would do enough to get a good grade, but I think that in the back of my mind, I knew there was more I could have done. Like, I guess it's like that last 10% to be the professional, right? 90% of the product is done, but the last 10% is, what's really gonna help make it shine. So then for me, like, it just makes me think, right? Like, it's a perfect example of like in an interview when someone says, what are some of your weaknesses and what are you doing to address them? So, cause something that I do a lot of now, I've noticed that mistakes, boneheaded mistakes that I've made at work, really, really, really easy ways to fix them. I know people don't like, people generally don't like taking notes in school, but taking notes. For me, it's literally I have a checklist that I just copy and paste on my phone each time we have a setup and I'll just be like, OK, these are the things that I've been missing every single time. So instead of hoping that I'll remember it, let me just create a checklist here so I know um, that I've got my basis covered. If something goes wrong, I'm confident that it's not my fault. We can go through from there. It's, it also makes it easier to see what went wrong when you know that you when you've have your, you have your process documented.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what? this is one of the uh, one of the, I guess, problems that I see with a lot of especially students that are coming straight out of school and then wanting to work as a professional is that in school, a lot of times it's a very kind of like handheld environment. And what I mean by that is like as a student, you go into class and you've got a teacher that sets up everything for you. These are the books that you need to learn. Here's a detailed uh, kind of curriculum on, okay, over the next several months, we're gonna have this book, we're gonna have this many tests, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And in the real world, that doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times you're just kind of thrown into the fire and you're expected to be able to either sink or swim. And one of the problems that, especially that I had, is that just having the school mentality that somebody's just gonna tell me everything that I need to do uh, going into a workplace. And then I had a um, a very severe like awakening moment when I was like, "Oh crap! I did great in school, but I'm not prepared for life," um, because a big part of this is just like adulting, right? And <laughs> yeah, like how do you how do you stay disciplined to do the things that you need to do if somebody's not looking over your shoulder and telling you exactly, you know, what are the things that you have to accomplish? So, um, if there's any tips that I would have for Students that are just about to finish their uh, education and then going into the, um, I guess, the real world uh, is build your habits of discipline so that you know how to prioritize what's important and then actually execute on those things that are most important.
0: So, yeah, Yeah. good stuff. And what goes along with that for me is kind of if I know have a lot going on in the day, um, I have a journal here. I have a journal that i have taken notes as we're talking. So basically, I'll start the day off if I know it's really busy. Write down certain things I know I want to get done. Um, and understanding, um, again, your schedule. Like for me, working out, um, I generally like to do it in the evening. But I, def- I also know that I don't have a lot of energy or I just don't have the time. So with that being said, I'll wake up an hour earlier, get my workout in, and then I'll just feel refreshed and I'll feel relieved knowing that at the bare minimum, what I wanted to get done for myself has already been covered for the day.
1: Yeah. And I love how you have the priorities for the things that are most important to you and how you actually fit those into your life. Um, because there are a lot of people that, uh, that kind of take life day by day and don't really have a plan. So they just, uh, they attack the day as things come to them. And the problem with that is if you're only focused on like the now a lot of times you can push off the things that you can do today that will help you in your, in your future. Right. Yeah. And we mentioned like being a professional is like, how, how much are you working on your craft? Mm -hmm. If you want to be a professional triple A game, you know, designer, what does it take in order to do that? You know, a company like PlayStation or Blizzard, they're not just going to give that job to anyone. Yeah. They want somebody that's actually experienced, um in designing games and what what do you have to show to you know that will show your skill set when it comes to designing games. Mm-hmm. It's not just because you want to design games, you actually <laughs> have to have the skill so that they can hire you on because you need to bring business value to this company. Um, and that's where I I think a lot of students and aspiring game designers, I think that's where they fall into that trap of having the school mentality thinking oh, this company's, I bring them in, uh, I'm going to go join this company and then they're going to teach me everything that I need to know. Um, they're, they're not going to give you like a an in-depth start from scratch <laughs> tutorial on how yeah. to be a game designer. They expect you to bring that professionalism already into the company. So um, yeah, just, and that all starts with mindset. Can yeah. you prove like that you have the mindset where if you want to design games, like what are you actually doing? And then how are you documenting it? And then, how do you have? How do you communicate that uh, to the company to show that you're effective at it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I know for me, the kind of work that I'm doing now, I have done it before at more of an amateur level, and I've noticed that they will help you with some of the more nuanced areas in what you're doing. Because obviously, every studio, every company has their own specific workflow, but you do have to kind of have a baseline level of skill, and also more than that. The ability to kind of just troubleshoot on your own. So for me, like I, I used to see self-starter on a, on a job application and not really understand what it meant. But personally, right, there's a there's a project that we've been doing at work. And I've just kind of become an unofficial expert in it just because I've been working with it the longest. And there's times where I'm just like, I don't know how to do this, but I know how to do something similar. So let me go ahead and stop being afraid and just try and surprise, surprise, it worked. So that means when that issue arises, I can already say, hey, I've tested this out. Uh, here's our options. You know, just lay that out for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that whole self-starter mentality is like, how do you problem solve? How do you figure things out? Um, this is, again, I'm going to contrast this with the educational environment where a lot of students will come across a problem and raise their hand and say, professor, I don't, I don't know. The answer to this question, can you help me out? And then you're requiring the teacher to explain things to you. And that's, that's good. But in a professional environment, the people around you don't always have the time to stop what they're doing, help you out, and then take time away from the things that are that they're focusing on, mm-hmm. right? So this is where the self starting mentality is so important. Because if you come across a problem, you have the mindset on how to go out and figure that out on your own instead of having to pull everybody else in um, to to assist you. Yeah. So one of the – yeah, that's one of the biggest things is like it's cool to ask, but they also want to know that you did your due diligence to pr- problem-solve yourself. And then if you really hit a wall, then you go ask. It's not just you come across a problem and they're like, help, I can't figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like that's, (laughs) that's, that's a good way to get yourself kicked out of a company.
0: Dude, that's also has to do with uh, communication because I know for me, I've been frustrated with, oh, well, I have tried these things. Well, did you tell them that you tried it? Uh, no. So maybe reframing it from, I don't know how to do this to, hey, boss, I've tried X, Y, and Z. This works, this works, this works. But we ran into like an edge case here. Um, I'll probably need another pair of eyes for this specific part. You know, at least they know I don't. Need, they don't need to check X, Y, and Z. They just need to check um, this one part. Or yeah, help absolutely. you.
1: <laughs> and and this is one of those things where like, IT, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, if I have an IT problem, a lot of times I'll go to the IT department and they'll ask, "Did you try resetting your computer?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something as simple as that. And you know, I've I've been guilty of. You know, not even trying that, but it solves the issue. And it's like, okay, now I have a baseline level of what to start, um, you know, troubleshooting my own issue. So if I have a problem with my computer, I'll restart the program, uh, restart the computer, and at least let IT know that I, I attempted it myself. I tried to troubleshoot on my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big part of it because what, if I can troubleshoot it on my own... Imagine how much time I can save the IT department so that they can focus on bigger problems (laughs) other than just telling me to reset my computer.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny. I was talking with a friend last week. I was helping him debug some stuff in his game. And um, he was just like, man, I'm so bad at programming. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And I was looking at what he was doing. And he had solved a lot of the issues that he'd run into. And he's just like, yeah, dude, I, I got stuck on this. I got stuck on this. I suck at programming, and I'm like, man, I'd just call you a developer at that point. <laughs> if you, if you're, if you're familiar with it, you've troubleshooted it. You know that the next time you run into that issue, you know exactly what to do, or you at least know the relevant terms to Google because to to get to that answer quick, more quickly, or at least you have a project to reference in the future.
1: Yeah, and this is where experience really comes into play. Is like you've seen a lot of these problems. And you can figure it out immediately um, because you've gone through it. Mm-hmm. And this is the difference between theory and actual practice because there's a lot of stuff that you learn in, in books in school where it's like, yeah, it sounds great. But when you're in the day-to-day, um, sometimes the textbook doesn't didn't have the references that you need to be able to problem solve right now. So <laughs> you got to be like, okay, well, this wasn't in the book. I didn't take a, a quiz or a test on this. What do I do now? So, fucking yeah, I figure it nice out. Of talking. Yeah, <laughs> you got to figure it out,
0: right? Um, I'd like to switch gears for a little bit, too. It's kind of related, but... Um, so I know that you're a recruiter, right? You're with Onward Play. Um, In your experience, uh, do, do you do any, like, pre-screening before they get to interviewing with the company, or do you just, like... You do, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's a big part of it, is we have job descriptions that we're looking to fill, right? Mm-hmm. And then a big part of this is me reaching out into the world and getting to know people and mm-hmm. getting to know what their actual skill set is. Mm-hmm. Because a big problem with, I mean, the whole job search is getting to know people, like them, and trust them. Yeah. No one, I have to know that they exist, right? Liking them has to do with, okay, are they effective in communicating? You know, how well do they um, show their their drive to get something done? Can they be effective? Mm-hmm. And then trusting them is can they actually do the job? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's part of the pre-screening is because I have to, I have to find somebody that fits the criteria of what the company's looking for. And I can't just send anybody. Yeah, I have to show that I've done my research on okay, does this person person actually have the skill set to do a job? Um, and then, like, can they actually qualify to work at a place? Because I have to I have to figure out if they need to work in office, do they actually have the ability to go to the office? Right. Right. I need to know what their location preferences are. I need to know what their salary requests are. Um, I need to know what do they want in an actual job mm-hmm. and it's matchmaking essentially. So like, I don't want to just recommend anybody. I have to I have to realistically trust that the person can get the job done. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of, um, interviewing in that process, you know, getting to know someone because the unfortunate truth is that people can lie on their resume, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just because they have an amazing looking profile and resume, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're qualified to do the job. And that's where the initial conversation happens, where, you know, I get to know them, get to know what the individual wants, um, how does it match with what the company wants, and then If there's a match, then we put them through the interview process and that's, that's it is like the pre-screening. I'm like the first line of defense when it comes to things like that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, so when you're, um, looking for candidates, like I guess, focus on, on younger candidates, right? People that are early career, I think it's a little bit easier to vet those that are maybe five plus years into the industry. Um, but if the job title specifically is a junior or an associate, uh, what are the, what are some things that may stand out to you, um, good and bad, when you're searching for candidates, when you're speaking with them, um, stuff like that.
1: So things that I look for is like what is the the actual mindset of what what are their accomplishments, I guess that translate directly to a position that they're, they're applying for. So for example, if they are applying for an entry-level audio position, right? What's the actual evidence that, they've, that they're passionate about doing that thing and they've got experience in there? And one of the, um, one of the ways that we're trained to look for employees is to, um, the assumption that the best way to predict what they're able to do in the future is to see what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. right? And this is something called behavioral interviewing. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to be an audio designer, right? Okay, well, what have you done to uh, to improve your skills as an audio designer? Like, have you gone to school? Have you been um, self-educated? Have you been watching YouTube videos? And then have you actually built something? Do you have a portfolio? Where's that portfolio? Can I listen to that portfolio? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's part of it. And then another part is um, seeing how well they work in, for example, a team environment and like, okay, tell me about some leadership positions that you've had. And this is what a lot of companies do is so they won't ask, what would you do if they ask, what have you done when, right? So they're picking your brain about experiences that you've already had. Um, so tell me about leadership positions that you've had. Tell me about a time where you had a disagreement with somebody and how did you resolve the issue? Tell me about a time where you made a mistake and how you resolved that mistake, right? So they're getting an idea of, um, you know, a person's character. What are the things, what's their mindset? How do they approach problems? How do they, are they um, solution oriented or problem oriented, right? Mm. Uh, so these are things that we keep in mind. And it's like, okay, well, what are the things that you've done that that qualify you according to the bullet points on a resume, right? You mentioned self-driven. So what is the proof that you're self-driven, mm-hmm. right? And if you can't explain that, if you don't know what that means, um, it's going to be kind of tough because part of this is the communication, right? It's like you may have the skills, but can you communicate it effectively? And that's where it starts on the resume. It starts on the LinkedIn profile. Um, but part of that is to me, is me digging under the surface a little bit because there's some brilliantly talented people that have garbage resumes and garbage <laughs> portfolios or uh, profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my job is to find the people that are qualified and help them prepare to, uh, to get that job.
0: That's awesome. That's a really great answer. And I'd like to kind of do a callback to one of our previous episodes where we talked a lot about this with uh, Katie Um yeah, she, she talked about this a lot, right? You, you didn't specifically mention relevant industry experience for early professionals. You just said, what have you done that proves that you can do this job? And I know with Katie, she specifically mentioned she was a rock star. She kicked ass working at GameStop. Um, mm-hmm. And then so much so that they, op- they created a graphic design position for her, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, stuff yeah. like that is a clear sign, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's one of those things is like that all starts with mindset, right? How do, you, uh, how do you actually approach these problems and how do you show that you're passionate about something and then what are you doing with that passion, right? So it, it happens a lot and especially with like entry-level positions like being a tester, a lot of times the technical skills aren't as important as the, uh, the soft skills, mm-hmm. Right. Because it's the, it's the soft skills that translate into the technical prowess, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have two people that are equally uh, bad at video game testing, if you've seen one person accomplish things like, for example, being an NFL player, right? <laughs> um, I, I bring that up because that was one of the experiences that we've had is like, okay, we need to hire somebody. Um, this one person has, you know, graduated high school and has zero experience testing. This other person graduated college, uh, actually, you know, taught English in Japan and was an NFL. He was a, a high end collegiate athlete playing at, uh, Cal Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to be a practice squad team, a practice squad player in the NFL, like, the ability to accomplish something like that told me something about his mentality, his discipline to get to that level. So I was like, OK, if I had a choice between somebody straight out of high school versus somebody who played in the NFL, like who would I pick for this entry level role, even though both of them have the same exact experience when it comes to testing. Yeah. Right. I had to go with the NFL player. Yeah. And that's like amazing. Um, that's, that's a prime example of looking into somebody's background mm-hmm. and hopefully being able to decipher, you know, who's the higher quality candidate. So that's, I mean, I don't know, but that's the decision that I made at that time.
0: Right. And there's two things that you mentioned there that I'd kind of like to expand upon. You mentioned passion and you mentioned discipline. Um, so for me, I had a conversation with a coworker uh, the, this past week um, and I work in the music and software industry. So they're like, oh, how come you're not always intoxicated or how come you're not always high when you're when you're uh, creating your art? And then my friend, like my coworker, he said it very well. He's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe at first it's cool. But after a certain point, you just got to get the job done so that at that point, it really goes beyond passion. It's what you mentioned before, also mentioned it, the discipline. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, again, I, I, I compare that to working out. I love working out. Do I like working on it every single day? No, but I still do it, and I think it counts more so during the times that you don't feel like doing something and you still get it done, though that I think says a lot more about you than doing it when it's easy when you're inspired because working in a creative field, like sometimes you just have to get this shit done and it's just like you don't feel like working on it. that's that's a reality, and I think it's okay like to not be passionate about everything you're working on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think my favorite uh, definition of discipline is that discipline is the ability to do what needs to be done, no matter how you feel. Yes. Right. And that's one of those things is like, you're not always going to feel like doing something. But if you want the, if you want the results, you have to do the work. right? Like, that's it's it. It's a rule. It's like a principle. It's like the law of gravity, right? no matter how much you like or dislike gravity, it's going to be there, right? Yeah. If you want the results, no matter how much you like or dislike the work, you have to do the work that will get you the results, especially when it goes like, just like you mentioned, going to the gym. Mm -hmm. right? Um, Or if it, if it's being an effective game designer, what's the, what are the discipline? What's the discipline that you need to be a professional game designer? Um, Yeah. It all, and this all comes back to seven habits of highly effective people. It's like, How do you have, how do you, okay. So the first part is habit one, be proactive. Be proactive means it's up to you, right? You are the one that's in the control of your destiny. Not anybody else, it's you. You know, next one is begin with the end in mind, right? How are you like, do you have a goal that you have in mind? And then put first things first. It's like, now that you have a goal, what are the things that you need to do to get that goal? Yeah. So if your goal is to be, you know, a professional athlete, what are the things that you're doing to become that professional athlete? And how are you having that discipline? What's your training? What's your work ethic like? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, all goes back to the seven habits for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man, this is a lot of stuff I've just been thinking about over the last few weeks. And um, even to, to expand on that a little bit further, I think I had a conversation with you or another friend, Tony. um, in regards to, maybe it was like, if you had kids, like, what are some things you'd like to instill in them? And then I reflected on stuff that I think had a big impact on me, right? Um, I did marching band in high school. I didn't necessarily enjoy it. But I feel like the marching band really taught me uh, discipline. <laughs> um, you know, martial arts is also great at that. I did a little bit of martial arts when I was a kid. And then... Um, and more creatively, I did. I performed and did music, playing on my own, playing in the bands, and I think that taught delayed gratification. Um, so basically, what I'm trying to get at here is approach your situation with an open mind, because you never know what uh, skills you may indirectly be building um, in your current situation. Because <clears throat> I'm like, I don't. I'm not like a professional musician, right? But I hear all the time that people love hiring musicians because they bring with them a certain work ethic that you don't always see, which is true. Um, I didn't really get trophies growing up. I didn't really play sports. So I just had to know that the progress that I saw was gonna take time to get, or, or it was gonna take time to see progress in, in my craft.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And that work ethic is, uh, you know, for a musician, it's self-driven, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you don't have somebody who's constantly telling you to what you have to do in order to be a better, a uh, better musician. A lot of that is the passion that drives it. So um, like you have to problem solve and you have to practice, you have to train, right? Because when you're a musician, that doesn't just magically fall into your lap. It takes work. It takes um, repetition. It takes a lot of time being comfortable, being horrible at something. Mm-hmm. But then you gradually build your skill set so that you can build, like, the further skills, build on the earlier skills. You start with the basics. You start with the fundamentals. And then you gradually build from there. There's, like, there's no shortcutting it, right? You can't just, like, magically stumble upon being a concert-level musician, right? Yes. That just doesn't happen. It takes um, – Ten thousand hours mm-hmm. is the the rule of thumb. That's a, that's something that I got from a book called uh, I believe it was Outliers. Ten thousand hour rule. In order to become pro, uh, like a professional level at any sort of discipline, it takes about ten thousand hours of consistent practice. Right. Um, I think that's like five years of a 40, 40 hour a week job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. Is like how are you getting that repetition? And then are you putting that 40,000 hours in five years or are you like only taking maybe half the time so it takes you twice as long, right? Yeah. Um, so instead of 40 hours a week, you can only devote 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is like understanding that mentality. Okay, if it's 10,000 hours to be professional at something, how am I getting that time in? And that's the cool thing is like, if you want to be a professional you know, whatever, professional musician, how are you putting in the discipline to, to do that work? Yeah. And then what are the things that you might have to sacrifice in yep. order to get in the practice, right? Because sometimes it's sacrificing having fun, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's sacrificing going out to have parties on the weekends with all of your buddies so that you can focus on your craft. And I think that's part of the 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 mindset of a true professional is like, how, like, what are the sacrifices that you're going to make? Um, because bottom line, you got, you got to make sacrifices somehow. Yeah. Because there's only only 24 hours in a day, and there's so many things that you can spend your time on. How are you actually spending time on doing the things that will bring you the results that you want?
0: Yeah. I'm going to be pretty transparent with that, too. I love video games, but I don't play a whole lot of video games for, <laughs> anymore. You know, um, I'm working out. I'm hanging out with my friends or I'm bettering myself um I still try to make time to play some games maybe in a group setting but um play yeah just doing that isn't going to really help me get to the next level and it's something that I've kind of had to mentally uh tell myself I guess agree okay um I'm gonna have to cut this out so I can do more of this
1: gotcha and I, I totally agree with you, and I have that same problem. and one of the things that I'm constantly working on is how do I integrate video games into the things that I want to accomplish. So for example, me working in the video game industry, uh, it's helpful that I keep tabs on what are all of the things going on in video games. Yeah. right So part of this is me, playing the games that I love because I'm leveraging that knowledge into me being a more effective, uh, recruiter, because Mm -hmm. when I can talk to the people on, you know, what are the newest exciting games that are out there, I'm able to connect with them, you know, with those, uh, with those topics in mind. Um, so that's one thing how playing video games helps me in my career. And that's why I want to be a video game recruiter as opposed to a general recruiter Mm -hmm. that, you know, for construction work or something like that, you know what I mean? Um, Another thing is like we we mentioned Fresh and I think like how can I integrate video games into finances? So part of this is me practicing um, asset management. That's essentially what finances are, is how do you manage the resources that you have so that you can maximize your, the results that you're getting using those resources. And I practice that with like MMOs, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of this is you have to grind, which is kind of like you working. And then how do you take all of the all of the loot that you have and use that as a way to leverage it to get even better loot? That's yeah. life, money is the loot, right? How do you leverage that money to be able to, to provide more money? So am I gonna spend $100 on, you know, something that just is pure entertainment? or is it am I going to invest it in something that will actually give me better results in the future right so maybe like a piece of equipment that will help me be better at my job professionally right because mm-hmm. that making that decision will help me earn money later so asset management another thing about video games is how am I using it to build relationships so there are certain games that I play with my my niece and my brother Mm-hmm. And that's how we keep in touch. That's how we communicate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a perfect way of leveraging a video game to, you know, build relationships. Health. We mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. What games are we playing that can help us out exercise, right? So, for me, it's been Beat Saber and Ring Fit Adventures. Yeah. But that's, like, I'm still able to play video games. It may not be, like, a lot of them are, like, the fanciest ones that are that are coming out, the newest and the greatest. But I'm still able to use video games to achieve the goals that I want to achieve.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, man. I, I love that that's I love how you how you put how you said that. Um for me, like a big one is relationships and fresh, right? I played a couple hours of split with some friends. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Um yeah, so basically it's a first person shooter for those of you guys who aren't familiar, um, with some um, elements from Destiny. As well as Portal, um, it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It's it's super unique. Like it's one of my favorite first FPS games I've played in a while. Um, but yeah, so my friends and I will just get on like Xbox Party Chat. The cool thing is it's it's a cross-platform game, so I can play with my friends on Xbox even though I have PC.
1: Yeah, and like there are so many. If you know how to look, there are so many lessons that you can get from video games, right? Because if you think about video games, what are you doing? what's the physical action that you're doing? You're pushing buttons on a controller, right? Mm-hmm. What's motivating you to push those buttons, right? And you can take those lessons and then apply them to your real life. For example, when you're playing a video game, don't you feel more motivated to do something when there's a time limit? Yeah. Right? Oh, shit. So how can I implement time limits into my daily disciplines that will help me be more effective, mm-hmm. right? So with running, you have a time limit to yeah. reach certain goals, so you're learning about time limits and how can you set those types <laughs> of um, those types of mechanics to make you want to get a better, uh, a more effective workout. Yeah. Right? Or if it's something like um, the just having understanding the rewards at the end of a game, mm-hmm. right? So if you go through a stage and you get a reward, isn't that a little more motivating? So now you can say, okay. Now, if I do something that I don't want to necessarily do, I'll I'll have a reward at the end. Yeah, that will be the motivator to, okay, I'm going to go through this workout. And then once I'm done, I'm going to reward
0: myself with a smoothie. Oh, dude, I just did that the other day. And it's so funny, too. Right. So I'm a big Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z fan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was just watching the original Dragon Ball, right, where Goku starts using his weighted clothing. It's no secret that he does the Gravity Chamber stuff. That's like kind of a meme at this point. And so then I was like, man, that's really cool. And I was thinking about thinking back to some of the DBZ games that let you do that to level up faster. And I just so happened to find myself at Target the other day. And I found a way to invest. And I'm just like, fuck, I got to get this. <laughs> so I actually bought that. And so I'm going to start training with that too. Like it's, it's so funny because like a lot of the things that are in media and video games are inspired by real life um mm-hmm. because a lot of people actually do train that way. They may train mm-hmm. shorter, but it may be more efficient or just a great way to change up um their routine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And a story that I read about recently um regarding exercise and entertainment is um there's somebody that wanted to get in a better workout. Uh so what he did is he somehow created a program and he he connected an exercise bike to his TV, What? and cool. he had he had it so that um, he had to keep a certain RPMs in order for the TV to keep running. Mm-hmm. So that was his incentive: is that if he wants to watch TV, he had to be pedaling on his bike, you know, at a certain amount. So that's how he got in his workout. He got in the um, the entertainment, and then it was one of those things where he was leveraging. The mentality that, okay, if I want to if I want to have the benefit of being able to watch this show, then I need to be on the bike and I'm getting in a workout and I'm getting in my entertainment so that it was like a double win. Right, Mm -hmm. He was having fun and he was also staying healthy. So these are the types of like hacks that you can use on yourself. But part of this is understanding what's your own mindset and how to hack your own mentality in order to get the results that you want.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like gamification. Um, it's it's so cool, too, right? So to connect this back to, like, entertainment, video games, stuff like that, um, I know that in the film industry, in the game industry, they have events. Um, I'll just call it a hackathon. Basically, they'll get together for 48 hours and make a film or make a game. Um, and that's a great way to kind of um, just just get your shit together, you know? Like, you don't have a lot of time to really experiment. You'll have to test. You'll, you'll have one idea see it through to the end. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but that's the kind of the point of that weekend. And then also I know specifically, like for me, right, I have a background in music. Something that people have done is um, they'll say, okay, I want to write a well-produced piece of music in an hour or in two hours. And I've actually tried that. I don't do it too often, but I have done that. And I've noticed that in general, I can get a lot done in, in that time frame. Um, if If, you know, no distractions, phones off, away from me and stuff like that. Um, and maybe you want to gamify that by saying, okay, cool. So, um, I want to get the high score. I want this to be better produced than the piece I made last week. And then your bonus points is you felt productive for the day in two hours. Now you can go hang out with your friends or play video games or do something else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, uh, I think there's a technique called the pomodoro technique Mm -hmm. um and i can't remember exactly where i heard that but just like you said is blocking off a certain time where you're saying to yourself self i'm going to spend this x amount of time 25 minutes i believe it was that i'm just going to focus on this one task everything else i'm going to block out and i'm just going to focus on this one task and a lot of people get productivity that way mm-hmm. because they they make they make that agreement with themselves that they're only going to focus on one thing um, instead of jumping from task to task to task. Yeah. Because that's one of the it's been scientifically proven that every time you switch your focus to something else, you lose time. Yeah. And I I'm sure you've seen this where <laughs> you're you're attempting to multitask or you're focusing on a project and something pulls you away and then when you come back to your project you're like where was I again, uh, what, was, what problem was I solving? I have to go back to my notes and that causes a lot of like mental inefficiency by having to switch back and forth to different projects, especially where there are ones that require you to be deep in thought and to actually have to, you know, process things with your mind. Um, so Pomodoro Technique, setting up time chunks for you to just focus on one thing and one thing alone, um, super like effective use of, uh, of your time. But like, do you have the discipline now that you know that what are you actually doing with it?
0: Yeah, that's the hard part. I think that's a skill, too. I think that working out for me, it's working out, exercising that that really builds that skill of discipline. Like, I don't think you're really born with it. It's yeah, Yeah. you develop it.
1: It, It's developed. It's taught. You got to figure it out somehow, because that's like doing the activity is what's going to get you the results but what's the what is helping you do that activity so part of it is understanding that the discipline to do it on your own and then another part of this is understanding what does the what's the effect that in that the environment has on you mm-hmm. right and that's one of the one of the things that i feel really effective people have is that not only do they build themselves mentally but they also build their environment around them yes. to help yeah. them to help them do the things that they need to do. And a big part of your environment is the people that you hang out with. Yep. And there's a saying that goes, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you spend a lot of time with healthy people that have healthy habits, whether it's working out, eating healthy, a lot of times that's going to rub off on you. Right. And that's, what's going to help bring up your, your personal level. So if you want to be around a lot of professional... If you want to be a professional game designer, if you hang around a lot of professional game designers, their habits, their mentality is going to rub off on you. And then that will that will help you find out what does it actually take to be a professional game designer. And that's one of those things where if you don't have a certain skill set, find people in the world, find communities... Of people that have the skill set that you want. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a lot of money, find people that make a lot of money and learn from them, right? Mm-hmm. Learn, learn what are the disciplines, what's their mindset, who are the people that they surround their, themselves with, what are the skills that they actually have, right? And that's I think that's so much more valuable than just wanting to do things on your own um, because that that can be tough, like, and that's you trying to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And there's some value to that, but there's also a tremendous amount of value from learning from other people that have been there and done that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And like seeking those um those meetups and those events that that uh host the that that mentality, like the IGDA. We've talked about that a lot. Um, I I spent a lot of time with IGDA in San Diego, and uh, most recently, so it's pretty funny you mentioned this because like I was actually just looking into CES, um, mm-hmm. up in Vegas. I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll spend some. Maybe I like I have them. I can afford it now. You know, I'm in the industry. Um, I think it might do me some good to kind of be in be an environment like that because it also kind of inspires you, makes you want to work harder when you're around people that are better than you.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, like for me, it does <laughs> people, like people can be such a huge motivator, right? Like when you, especially when you want to be a part of a community, like you have that natural. Uh, that natural inclination to f- want to fit in with the people around you, right? Mm-hmm. So you will su- you'll subconsciously pick up a lot of the habits, and it's not even that you're um, you're you're mentally consciously trying to do it. It's just one of those things that's built into us as human beings. And I'm sure you've seen this, where like you may be talking to somebody and you automatically assume whatever their body position is and their posture. Yeah and And you might change the the rhythm of your voice so that it's similar to theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we subconsciously do because it's part of our like our survival tactics as humans. It's just programmed into our brain. Um, and then when you know the these things, that's how you kind of pick up subtly all of the things that are going around uh, around you. So, putting yourself in an environment like CES, where you've got so many brilliantly talented people, right. That are accomplishing amazing things in the industry, in the world. Yeah. That's going to inspire you. Mm -hmm. And that's knowing that and putting yourself in those positions to succeed. Like that's you essentially designing your own environment to help feed you, feed you personally. Right. And then, but there are other, you have to keep in mind for, for like, who are the people that you spend time with? And this is one of the big things that I had to do in my career is like I had to separate myself from certain people that didn't have the same ambition that I did, right? Because I'm sure you've seen them, It like your network can work either for you or against you, right? Me growing up in, in a bad neighborhood in San Diego, there was a lot of like drugs, there was a lot of gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if I would have hung out with those crowds, I very likely could have gotten sucked into a lot of the bad habits that they that they got into. Um, So, yeah, that's one of those things you might have to take a step back and audit who are the people that you're around? What's the environment that you're in? And, you know, how is that having a psychological impact on you? So good
0: stuff. Wow, that's really interesting. It's it's totally true, man. Um, I I feel like for me, um, you are definitely in a bubble, like, before pre college, you know, while you're still in high school, but especially once the club started, I know we've talked about that in the previous episodes, but as a game lab, once that started, I think I really found my people because for me, it was odd. It wasn't necessarily the people in my major that I got along with the most. The people that I still keep in touch with are people who were in that club or people that I saw at the IGDA meetings um, in San Diego. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that kind of stuff has a deeper impact than you might than you might imagine
1: yeah and like think about for you personally all of those people that were in that club and where are they now right Mm -hmm. you were all aspiring game developers all self-driven game developers you know where are you where's kevin right he's (laughs) at psionics right um where's jacob now he's at that's no moon where's where's barry he's at uh, naughty dog and it's like all of these people together that's the that's the power of having a community of people with the same mindset um, and yeah that's like a perfect example and you lived through it It wasn't <laughs> like some textbook idea where you read about you know people that were hanging out you actually lived through it and you saw it from the ground up
0: definitely and I'd like to address one thing um, I know I, I talked with uh, someone I guess I'm kind of mentoring him now we talked recently and he's he was concerned he's like oh um my school didn't doesn't have a game club like yours does and I'm like that's perfect start it that's a talking point in an interview as well i started this club and then you know go from there that's a huge learning experience you'll learn a lot about i'm sure different areas of development programming whatever just because you kind of have to it's it's kind of like a like a startup you know kind of thing
1: yeah absolutely and that's one of the that's an amazing mentality that you, that you just showed right there is instead of being problem oriented, like the problem that he came up with, is, we don't have a club, right? If you're solution oriented, then you figure out, okay, if we don't have a club, how can I get a club? And that was one of the biggest like aha moments that I had from a book called seven habits of, I'm sorry. This one is rich dad, poor dad. Ah, okay. Right? It's um, the lesson is don't say I can't, Instead, ask, how can I? Because if you say I can't, if you say I can't, your brain is already shutting off because your brain has decided I cannot do something, right? But when you ask, how can I? That opens up the entire universe to what are possible solutions, right? And when you ask, how can I? It's like, okay, well, what are some ideas? Let's test them out. What works? What doesn't work? And then if you come up to another problem, same mentality, same questions like, Okay, well, I can't, I can't do X, Y, Z. Well, how can I, right? Mm-hmm. How can I figure out a solution that may not be X, Y, Z, right? So, like that, it's just a s- small like change of mindset mm-hmm. that's super powerful. But that's one of the things is it starts in the mind.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: you can say I cannot do something. I cannot get experience designing games, or you can ask how can I. And the beautiful thing is like there's so many answers. <laughs> at your fingertips with google
0: yeah google you don't even have
1: to start from scratch just use google and youtube how can i blank and then the answers are going to be there right Mm -hmm. so um yeah starting off with mindset ties us back to very beginning very beginning of this episode
0: yeah definitely man and um what was i gonna say to uh I uh, kind of lost my train of thought there.
1: <laughs> you, you were you were mentioning the uh, the student before the the one who wanted to start up the club. I know we were talking about that before, um, and yeah, you know what? You bring me back to something else I wanted to chat about was uh, when there's a problem. That means there's whenever there's a problem, there's an opportunity. Yeah. So for that student to say, you know, I don't have a club. You mentioning that you can start it up. That's actually. I think one of the um, one of the characteristics that high performing companies look for mm-hmm. is like how how have you solved problems like that? Yeah. Because in order to get what you want, you're always going to come up with problems, but it's your ability to solve those problems um, that can really help you shine and help your personality shine over somebody else that may have the skills already but doesn't have the mindset.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and that actually does bring me back. I remember what I was going to say before to follow up on that. Um, I think another benefit to working on projects outside of school, or like, let's say you're, you have a, you're in a development program, you're in a, I don't know, a focused program on on for the industry. Uh, maybe you find some deficiencies, or maybe there's a certain topic you want to look more into. Most people would just kind of move on to the next topic with the professor, but maybe you want to spend more time on that it's per- and i think it's a great time a great chance to really work in a low stakes environment um and it teaches you kind of the ability to problem solve without without the worry of like failing failing the class right i think a lot of people their experience is only in the classroom so that so they're they're so afraid of failing that solution that they fail to see that there's possibly other ways of doing it um and, you know just trying out which one is the best solution to you know I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And that actually brings me up to, um, I think one of the, the challenges also of the school system is that failure is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is you learn so much from failure. Yeah, and <laughs> And real life isn't always like where you study for something and then you take a test on it and then, based on your knowledge at that one moment, you either pass or fail. Right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. life is an ongoing learning process, and you test some stuff out. You're, and I think the more comfortable you are with accepting failure and that it's a part of life, I think that's something that really helps you grow. And that that's like one of the one of the issues that I'm still coming across is how to handle failure. Yeah. It it's it can it can ruin your mood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Just making those mistakes. And I constantly find myself, um, you know, having to talk myself out of being, uh, being afraid of failing. And that's one of the reasons why I love like this podcast in general is because you and I were talking about starting it and I had been thinking about this for years. Um, And then it was just recently that I had the courage to say, you know what? Screw it let's do this Mm -hmm. and let's get it done. It's, it's, you know, we're going to start off and we're going to be horrible at first, but understanding that the failure is part of it and that we're screwing up. And like, I'm making so many mistakes and I, I can be so much better at so many different things, whether it's technologically or working as a, uh, as being a better interviewer, um, you know, just getting out of my introverted shell. Like this is all part of me and my journey of wanting to improve myself and to show that I'm, I'm living the example that I talk about, right? Yeah. How to overcome your fears, and if I'm going to tell you know any of my mentees that hey, they got to get out of their comfort zone, this is a this is me uh, walking my talk, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, mm-hmm. so many lessons from just going out there and figuring stuff out, being okay with failure, moving forward from there, and then me surrounding myself with people. Who um, who are uplifting me and mm-hmm. who are encouraging me, just like you. Like we talked about this ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. You're one of the biggest inspirations to actually start this, uh, actually get this podcast up and running. So, yeah, this is this is it. This is us, you know, living out hopefully the values that we want to mm-hmm. to show, and just going from there.
0: That's awesome. And I think that kind of brings us full circle to what we talked about in the beginning of the episode in in regards to your mindset and being professional versus an amateur. And so Mm -hmm. as we near the end of the episode, um, are there any uh, parting words of advice you'd like to give anyone? I know we talked a lot about, um, like we said, mindset, maybe their habits, uh, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's just keep growing, keep learning. Um, that's the Kaizen mindset, K-A-I-Z-E-N, uh, constant and never-ending improvement. So Kaizen is a is kind of a philosophy that um, companies in Japan used to really excel in, I think, manufacturing. And that's why companies like Toyota are constantly churning out amazing products because they have that mentality of, we're doing everything we can just to get even incrementally better in everything that we do. And that's just a constant process. So if they improve by 1% every day, imagine how much they will actually have improved over the course of several months, several years, several decades. Um, so something that I learned from them, it's something that's very Japanese in, mm-hmm. the, in the process. Um, and I think that's something that, that's great, constant and never-ending improvement.
0: Awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I hope you got something out of kind of the anecdotal evidence or comparisons that I made about my life, observations that I've made, and sharing those with Steve. Um, so, yeah, thanks for tuning into the Empower podcast. I um, also like to remind you guys that we are on YouTube at Empower Podcast or also on Spotify and pretty much all the major uh, podcasting platforms. Um, we try to upload each week on Wednesday around 10 a.m. Um, we don't. We're not always perfect about adhering to that schedule, but I think we've been pretty good um, so far in keeping a consistent schedule. So yeah, thanks you guys. Thanks so much for watching. See you guys next time. All right. Peace.